want to talk to you how to do the will of God 90% of your time under the voice of God. I want to teach you a little principle that will help each one of you to live out God's voice in your life. Because we can spend all of our life struggling to hear, or we can just find the way that God intended for us to hear. Amen? And we can walk forth in the will of God. Now, in the book of Job, it's such a powerful verse, jumping off there again. Book of Job, chapter 33, it said, God speaks to us again and again. That's what the Lord said. God said, I'm talking to my people again and again. He said, but people don't recognize it. And I can certainly adhere to that. That so many times in God's speaking in my life, I fail to recognize it. And then it said, he speaks in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls on people. So God speaks to us in our dreams and he speaks to us in visions. And then verse 16 shows us another way that God speaks into our life. He whispers in our ears. Now, God's talking about certainly inner ears, spiritual ears, inside of each one of us. When we came to the Lord, God gave us a spiritual ear and spiritual eyes. So there's things that you can see now that you couldn't see earlier. Or there's things that you can hear now that you could not hear earlier. And I believe because it's so equipped in the life of a believer, many times we misunderstand it or miss it simply because we think it's us. And we fail to recognize that it's a uh, voice of the Lord that's speaking to us. So the first thing that God, first way God speaks to us, just to reminisce just for a quick moment, He speaks to us by Scripture. How many of you love the Word of God? Man, you love the Word. And we desire the Word. We read the Word. We study the Word. Because the more of the Word I put in me, simply the more God can talk with me. The more agreement, the more I can know that it's God talking to me because God always, God will never speak to you anything spiritually that he is not backed up in his word. Amen. So the first way God always talked to us through scripture, the second way is through trusted people. And God brings people into our life. I pray this morning that God nudges you in the right direction through this message. And I pray that some way that God can translate through my speaking, and some way use it to touch your life. The third thing, God speaks to us in worship. And wow, I believe God's already done that for me this morning. I mean, in the worship, it seemed like worship just unfolds the heavens. And, and what seemed like brass and seemed like so hard to reach, all of a sudden in the midst of worship, God's voice just becomes so much clearer and plainer. So God speaks to me in worship. Now, the fourth way that God talks to us, God talks to us in prayer. And that's what I'm continuing talking about this morning. How does God talk to me in prayer? Because probably that's the most consistent way that we look for God to speak to us is in prayer. Now, in the next, in two weeks after, the week after Mother's Day, we're going to open up a whole new level of hearing God's voice. Because here we're talking about hearing God's voice in prayer, hearing God's voice in, in Scripture, hearing God's voice through people. But in two weeks, we're going to talk about how to live God's voice. And it's a, a much higher dimension, and, and God's going to help us to get there. Everybody say, I'm going to get there. Eventually, Lord, don't give up on me, that I'm going to get there and be able to live underneath the voice of the Lord. So in the process of it, as God's working in our life, so, so as we've, we've learned, as we've learned to approach God in prayer, we understand that if if God speaking to me is important, so then I must begin to uh, prepare for it. And so in preparation... 
So for God to speak to me in prayer, some things have to take place. I must approach him in reverence. What that means is that I just can't live any old way and expect God to be able to talk to me. Uh, I need to approach God either two different directions. Either I need to approach God either obedient or forgiven. Amen. Amen. Now, in some of the things in my life that I'm able to walk obedient in, God strengthened me over the period of years. I'm able to be. Other areas I'm still working on. How many of you got some areas you're still working on? So the way we approach prayer is we approach God forgiven then. And, Lord, I just pray, Father, for the things that I feel. So we quit arguing with God about what we're doing. People try to convince God all day long that what they're doing is not wrong. Why don't you just agree with God? That's what the word, uh, in fact, it means when we seek God's forgiveness is we agree with God that we were wrong. So we learn to either live the Lord, live before the Lord obedient or either live for him forgiven until we can walk obedient. So as I come to God, the word of God all through the Old Testament teaches me that if I'm going to approach God, I've got to approach God reverently. I've got to recognize and the Lord is not in the business of just looking. So I must approach him not only reverently, but I must approach him in faith. I mean, I, uh, people, sometimes people try to approach God through doubt and unbelief and fear and uh, all these kind of things. And it seems like there's no word that can come out of that. Because God is a God of faith, and he's going to respond to you in positive, strong ways. So we're responsible. I must build an atmosphere of faith in my life if I'm going to understand the language of God. If someone walked in here this morning, they spoke German, I'd have a hard time understanding. See, because God speaks the language of faith. And if you're going to be able to hear God, I mean, you're not going to hear God uh, wallowing over self-pity. You're not going to hear God over God being discouraged. You're not going to hear God over God being upset. But if I can realize in my situation, if I can approach God in faith, and how I do that is two ways. Number one is I begin to declare the greatness of God. What does that mean? Does that mean I don't have a situation? No, that means I believe that God can handle any situation. I believe that God can. So way that I'm approaching prayer, I've already done that this morning. On my way to my prayer chair, I, I got up about an hour late this morning, so I got up about five, and I was approaching my prayer chair. And I had a situation that I was facing. I needed an answer to. And this morning, as I approached God in that, On the way to my chair or on the way to my prayer altar, I began to declare the greatness of God. I began to declare, God, you are strong enough. You are mighty enough. God, there's nothing you can't handle. There's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you can't turn around. There's something about praise that will release God into your life in a much stronger way. Can you say amen? So, so if I'm going to approach the Lord, I must begin to approach Him, declaring. But not only declaring, because de- declaring is really is just a second phase of what I'm thinking. I, I, I want to ask you this morning, what, what are you thinking about? Well, when it comes to God answering your prayer, what, what, what are you, what's going on? What are you self-talking to yourself about? You will never grow in the Lord unless you begin to self-talk yourself on the right things of the Lord and the power of God. You know, I was last week down with Leighton and, and Colin, 
and Grand Canyon University. And they, uh, when it came to the graduation service, it was so wonderful. And then, but I remember the first thing that the first speaker said when he walked up to the platform. He said, we have gathered these students here to teach them how to think like Jesus. I tell you, one of the grandest things that any of us could ever do is not just talk, begin to think like the Lord. Now, the Bible calls that meditation. The Bible, I know we think meditation, we apply it with some kind of Far East religion, but really God had a handle on it before anybody else ever got a hold to it. What that means, the word meditation means I begin to mutter to myself. It's what I'm self-talking about. Either I'm destroying my life through thinking bad about my life, you can destroy yourself through thinking bad about yourself. And truly, uh, there's not a person here that hasn't went through some form of rejection, some form of pain, some form of brokenheartedness. And you can self-talk your troubles to the point that trouble will get worse. Or you can begin to self-talk yourself in accordance with the Word of God. Why Why did the speaker say when he walked up to the platform at Grand Canyon? He said, we are asking students to come here so we can teach them how to think like Jesus. And I believe that's what God has done in all of our lives. God has brought us to the basis of His Word so we can not only walk like Jesus... Talk like Jesus, but so we can learn, as the Bible says, we can even have the mind of Christ and begin to think like the Lord. So it's just so important if I'm going to approach God in a way that's going to build an atmosphere for God to talk with me, then I must start working on myself. And and let me tell you, most people think you are a mind. You're not a mind. You have a mind. You're a, God created you as a spirit. You have a soul, but you have a mind. There is a part of you that is stronger than your mind. Some people think that I can't make myself think. I can't stop my thoughts. I'm here to tell you, you can. Jesus in you is stronger than that thought life that the devil has tried to convince you of for so many years. What happens is anything that you give place to eventually becomes uncontrollable. The greatest areas of your life are areas of your life that you have built fences in, even good things. Man, I tell you what, I love banana pudding. And India is constantly making me these little special banana puddings and sending them to my house. But I'm going to tell you, I have made myself sick before eating banana pudding. It, even good things can be can become destructive if you don't build fences around them. Never be a person that can't build fences around your actions and around your thinking. If you want to be a disciple, a disciplined one of the Lord, it's the strength of God in us. Somebody say grace of God. Somebody shout out grace of God. It's the grace of God that works in our life to help us to be able to live life, think life, Talk life like a believer for the glory of God. So God is working in us. So I must begin to allow the Lord to bring change in the way I think. And simply, you can't do that without Scripture. You can't think the thoughts of God without Scripture. Somebody hold up the thoughts of God if you have it with you. 
we, we usually have it in our little iPhones. So, <laughs> but that's the thoughts of the Lord. That's the way Jesus thinks. That's the way he'll think in the morning. That's the way he'll think tomorrow afternoon. That's the way he'll think tonight. Jesus will never deviate from thinking like that word. Even if God is speaking to you by the Spirit, it will still be in perfect agreement with that word. You know, one of the most interesting studies in all the Bible is to study the words that Jesus said. And, you know, Jesus said he only spoke what he heard the Father said. But not only were they words that he heard his father speak, they were words that were written in the Old Testament. Almost every word that Jesus said, I don't care whether he was speaking to somebody healing or whether he was delivering or sharing the Sermon on the Mount, almost every word, and I say almost because I haven't looked up all of them yet, but the ones that I have, they all find basis in that Old Testament. What that said was this, what Jesus was hearing his father say what he was hearing in the spirit was based, he could base it on what the word of God had already, the written word of God had already said. So if you're going to allow your mind to go through radical change of the Lord, then what's going to have to happen is we're going to have to allow ourselves to gain greater knowledge of that word. Unless, unless, unless you love the word, you're never going to love your life. You hear, unless you love the word, you're never going to love your life. This word is given. It's not just a book that you can just tote around on Sunday. And it's certainly not just a family Bible so you can record the people that die. That's not what it's for. That book is to be put inside of our lives. And it is, Bible said, it is active and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. So I must begin to sift out. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it begins to talk a little bit about, uh, about what we're talking about, self-talk. It said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. See, that's what the command of the Lord said. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. When, if I can approach prayer, if I can create an atmosphere for prayer in my life by preparing it with the changed thoughts of God. What does that mean? The devil's going to come up and he's going to tell you, you might as well quit. You might as well throw in the towel. The devil's going to come up to you and say, you're going to die of this situation. Your ministry's never going to work. God's never going to be able to help you. You know, when you messed up 10 years ago, that threw your life away. Those are words of the devil. You can always tell the words of the devil. They always have no hope. But now, but God has spoken into our situation. I'm going to tell you what, there's not a person here, no matter what your past has been, that God doesn't have a glorious future already worked out for you. And when I begin to think the thoughts of God, and I begin to turn around what's freewheeling in my mind, you don't think I'll ever get married? You don't think I'll ever get a job? You don't think I'll ever make it in life? Well, I tell you what, that's not what the Word of God says. And you can begin in your mind to begin to change your thoughts around by saying, you know what? I know I can trust God. I know that God's going to come through for me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God's a forgiving God. God's a God of mercy. And you begin to implant your self-thoughts or your self-talking and plant it with the word of God. And then it becomes so much easier to prepare your atmosphere for prayer. 
Because then when you get up and start your way to your prayer chair, as I have, or our prayer altar, as you may have, or sit down in your car, wherever it is that you pray, then as you do it, you can begin to speak out your mouth what your thoughts have already been prepared. I mean, I mean, you, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I tell you, you may think that you can change your speaking without changing your thinking, but it's totally impossible. Amen. So what we begin to do, we begin to declare the greatness of God. God, I may be in a situation, but you're a God of situations. Lord, my family may be in a mess, but you're the God that straightens out messes. Then you begin to decree and to begin to call. The Bible calls that the power of decreeing. And the power of declaring. What that means is God in heaven has all of our life. is enough power and help in heaven to change any situation on earth. Earth is the place of need. Heaven is the place of supply. And what brings heaven to earth is you in your mouth. And you're declaring somebody has got to declare it. Someone has got to decree it. Somebody has got to speak it because the Bible says life and death is in the power of your tongue. So when you realize that, that I'm either creating my life or I'm destroying my life because God wants to do much from heaven to help me. But the only way heaven is going to get, be able to help me, it's got to come through me. You hear what I'm telling you? See, some of you want God, we want Jesus to just show up on your street and passing out all these gifts as he walks down that street. Jesus is seated on the throne. You know where he's going to be tomorrow? He's going to be seated on that throne. Amen. But you have the ability as a believer to bring heaven into earth. That's what the Lord's prayer said. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer is a decree. It's the decreeing of what heaven's abundance has is coming into heaven. Do you know why those needs still exist in our life? Either one or two things. Either because the devil is trying to resist what God's promised you, or either you're not letting it in by not believing God. So if I'm going to create an atmosphere for God to talk, I mean, you can, you can come sad and mad and bad, uh, to the to your prayer, but you're not going to find a good God there. But if you will come and you begin to decree and declare, let's just look at a few more scriptures. It says, "So it says, change my life by change the way I think." Then notice what Ephesians chapter five, verse nineteen says: "Speaking to yourself, what what are you supposed to talk?" The Bible tells us: "Speaking to yourself, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord." Psalm 103, uh, there are several things that decreeing releases in our life. The first thing that decreeing releases in my life, it releases the magnet of faith. Man, God, God has put principles of faith into all of our lives. What it is, my faith is like a magnet. It will draw what my, what my faith will believe. If you're not believing anything, you're not getting anything. But if you're believing, then your faith becomes a magnet into your situation. Amen. The second thing does, it ignites the atmosphere with miraculous potential. That's why over and over, even when Jesus was on earth, he said, so be it unto your faith. He had, he, a person had to believe 
and trust him before he could even work a miracle when Jesus walked on earth. So if Jesus is going to work a miracle in our life, we've got to believe him and we've got to trust him. Can you say amen? So it ignites the atmosphere for miraculous potential. What does that mean? Anything can change if you can believe it in prayer. If you can carry your knees before the Lord and believe that the God of the impossible can make it possible that God can turn your world around, then it ignites that atmosphere with the atmosphere of potential of God. The third thing it does, it summons angelic visitations. You know that God, angels are here to minister unto us that are heirs of salvation. Angels are to be a part of our life. What does that mean? In the Bible, angels worked out all types of things. Angels went ahead, prepared white meetings for people. Angel would help bring provision. Jesus in the garden was running low on strength. And the Bible said an angel appeared in that garden and strengthened Jesus. I, you know, I don't understand those things, so I don't argue with them. I just believe them. If the Bible said it, then I believe it. So angels have the power to evidently lay their hands on you and to strengthen you. Well, I can understand that a little bit. There would be been with the Father, and I tell you what, anything with the Father is hot and heavy. I mean, it's ignited with His power and love. And so they come in from the Father, and they come into your life. Other things that angels do, they fight for you. That's what was found in Daniel chapter 10, verse 10. It says that the angels, that God sends angels to fight for you. I'm here to tell you, some of you are just trying to fight your battles by yourself. And God wants you to know that he has already prepared enough things to change your battle. God has already have in preparation angelic powers that will be able to come into your life and help you. When you read through Scripture starting in Genesis all the way through Revelations, angels are to be an active part in all of our life. They can turn situations around. They can turn people around. They, bring, they, are, they carry out the purposes of God. Now, how does angels do that? Now, I've said that declaring in prayer is one thing. It summons angelic visitation. In Psalms 103, verse 20, notice what it said. It said, bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength. That's what angels do, man. They excel in strength. Who do his word. What's angels doing? They're doing at your word. But what puts them into work? It says, heeding the voice of his word. Bless all that. What, what is angels waiting for? They're waiting for somebody on earth to have a voice of God's word. Oh, somebody's got to have a voice of trusting God. Somebody has got to release it. So if you're going to have angelic powers working in your life, they're hearkening unto the voice of his word. It's when you trust God's word and you begin to decree God's word over your situation. Somebody say, pow, angels are able to come and angels are able to help us because they're son. Now drop on down in Daniel chapter 10. I've just mentioned that. Another thing that angels do in verse 12, it said, then he continued do not be afraid, Daniel. This is an angel talking to Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Do you see what that says? Your words were heard. Where were they heard at? Where were your words? They were heard in heaven. Everybody say, in heaven. 
And heaven, and what happened when heaven heard these words? And I have come, this angel is saying, I have come in response to your words that were spoken. If you want help in your life, man, get out of that gutter. Get out of that gutter. Get out of that discouraged state. Get out of that feeling sorry for yourself. Get out of that place and begin to declare what God said about your situation. Amen. And it will begin to summon God. The next thing it does, it prepares your heart for an encounter with God. Now, so we can stay on declaring, declaring and declaring for quite a bit, but, but I believe you get the message of what we're trying to say because I need to, to move on where, when we talk about hearing the voice of God. Now, so God wants me to decree. God wants me to declare. For me to be able to decree, decree powerfully, I'm going to have to do a work in my mind. I'm going to have to allow God's mind. The Bible says, have the mind of Christ. God's going to have to help me to think like Jesus. Somebody say, think like Jesus. Somebody. But if I will begin to think like Jesus about my situation, then I can begin to, to see the will of the Lord. Now I want you to turn with me to the book of First Kings, if you would. I'm going to close with this. I'm closing with another step in what God can do in the midst of your prayer in hearing him. And in the book of First Kings, we find Elijah. Now, Elijah's got a real issue. He's depressed and he's discouraged. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been depressed. I have been depressed. I was depressed at one point in my life for two years. And it was one of the hardest battles I've ever had to fight through. To fight through. And I did not come out until I began to fight the thoughts of depression. It's impossible to be depressed without thinking depressed thoughts. It's impossible. You can't be depressed. Depression is not a feeling. Or depression doesn't originate with a feeling. Depression is a feeling that comes out of thoughts. You're thinking. When you begin to think sad and hopeless thoughts about your situation, depression begins to set in. That's exactly what set in here to Elijah. Elijah began to be very discouraged over his life. And in the process of it, he came to a place that he wanted to die. I've been there. I understand the feeling that's associated with that. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm thankful that Elijah showed us how to get out of that mess too for the glory of God. In the process of Elijah fighting this depression, he knew if I can just get to God. I'm here to tell you. You may be discouraged this morning. The devil might launch an attack of depression against your life. But inside you, if you would just look deep enough, there is that little heart that's ringing out that's telling you, if I can just get to God. Because God has the power to set us free no matter what the bondage or the devil is trying to do to our life. So Elijah said, if I can just get to God. So in the process of Fighting his depression and fighting his discouragement, Elijah went to the mount of God. And Elijah began to climb. And he climbed all the way up and Elijah found a cave. And Elijah went in the cave. And then a voice came to him and said, Elijah, go out and stand at the very mouth of this cave. So Elijah went, and then verse 11 takes place of 1 Kings 19. Then he said, 
go out and stand on the mountains before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, it says. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Sometimes we have to determine what the voice of the Lord is not to be able to determine what the voice of the Lord is. Sometimes I have to find out what God is not if I'm going to be able to finally rest on this is what God is. There's two major things that happen with the voice of the enemy that's trying to deceive us. Number one, I know that the voice of God never comes in fear. It's never associated with fear. You've got to know that. I was on a job one night or one day on a construction job years ago. My children were all small. And at that time, I was trying to learn to hear the voice of God. And as I was there and on that job that day, a voice as sweet as I've ever heard spoke to me. And this is what the voice said. Your daughter is dead. Call home. Tell Elaine to get away from her body. And you go home. And you take care of the situation. As sweet a voice as I ever heard whispered that to me. But because I knew the voice of the Lord is never accompanied with fear. God can even tell you hard things. But when he speaks it, he will always be in faith and will always have a hope attached to it. Because there was no hope attached to that. The rest of that day, I had torment. I wanted everything within me to do what that voice said. To leave my job and to go home and to find my baby dead. Everything in me. But I knew God's voice is never associated with fear. God's voice is always associated with faith. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible said, and hearing by the Word of God. So whatever God wants to tell me, and God has told me some hard things once I could finally come to a place to recognize His voice. But He always is able to tell you that in faith. And it has a hope that's attached to it. I made myself stay on that job. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. It made myself stay on that job for the rest of that day. So that afternoon at regular normal quitting time, I drove home. My way home was torment because I knew I'd heard a voice. And I knew it was a soft voice. It sounded like a sweet voice. But I also knew that the devil has deceiving voices. The way you recognize the voice of the enemy, it always come with fear and it will always come with confusion. 
when what you're hearing, if it's bringing confusion in your life, then you know not to follow it. I went home when I got home. I looked at the house and things looked normal. When I walked in the door, Elaine came to me. She said, Jerry, you won't believe what happened. Said Rachel, Rachel's sitting right here right now. Rachel was a little girl, about three years old. Said she got away from me. Some way she got away from me. Said I couldn't, I, 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 was, I was always so, and Lane was, always so careful with the kids in every way. We lived on 79. They just built it into a five-lane highway at that time. It just been built that way just a short period of time. She got away from Elaine, and before Elaine could stop her, she was in the middle of the highway. The traffic was coming from everywhere, but God sent two diesel drivers, recognized the situation. They stopped traffic on both sides of the road until Elaine could get to that baby and get her out. What would have happened if I would have accepted that fear? What would have happened to her life if I would have accepted that voice that came in fear? God's voice will never come to you in fear and in confusion. If it confuses you, honey, no, that didn't come from God. Because there's two opposite things that come with the voice of God. The first one is peace. God can even talk to you about hard things, but there will be such a settled peace. That's what I told you this morning. I have something to pray about. When I went and sat down in my chair and I decreed, decreed and declared how great God was, and when I finally got set down in the chair, it was just like an umbrella of peace was opened over me. I tell you what, I still getting, didn't get a direction but I got a peace. God has a peace that will always accompany when he talks to you. When he talks to you out of the scripture or if he's talking to you by the spirit, it will always come. You never have to be afraid. Honey, listen to me. You never have to be afraid from those feelings of fear. You understand? If you don't believe them, there's nothing the devil can do with them. But you must realize and then the second way is wisdom. That's where I'm closing at. Talk to you a moment about wisdom. God always speaks to you in wisdom. Now the Bible says those are the two qualities that will lead us in life. Peace will be led forth, the Bible says, will be led forth with peace. It also says concerning wisdom. It said wisdom will lead you. I can trust it. When God comes to me with wisdom and with peace. I said earlier that how to help you make decisions over 90% of your things and you can trust God. Because we fail to realize that God's communication is not just words. Sometimes it's senses. Sometimes it's a nudge. Sometimes it won't come with a and and the. But it will come with an impression. You will feel the impression of the Lord. Because a lot of times God is leading you in wisdom. Now, this is the way wisdom operates. 
Wisdom comes out of a Hebrew letter. There's, sweetheart, how many Hebrew letters? Are they 22? Hebrew letters, each one of them is a picture. I mean, God has a simple language. He's not complicated. I mean, he could be complicated, but he recognizes me, all right? So God is not. And every Hebrew letter is a picture. The Hebrew letter that looks like a seven is made, it looks like a seven. It's called the Resh. Now, that Hebrew letter is wisdom. But what it is the picture of is the picture of a man that's bent over. And that man takes his head and pushes his head toward God. The Bible says, That's wisdom. The wisdom is not what you know or even not what circumstances has taught you. Wisdom with man is when I recognize I don't know, but he knows. I can't figure it out, but he can figure it out. I don't have the ability, but he has the ability. I don't have the power, but he has the power. Wisdom is when it I'm bowed over. I recognize through humility, I can't figure this out. Sometimes people come to me and they say, Pastor, you've been pastoring here almost 50 years. And they say, so you should have wisdom. I tell you, I have wisdom to know I don't know how to do a thing. I can't do a thing. I can't build a thing. I can't work out a thing. I can't grow a thing. I can't help a thing. But that same wisdom takes my head and pushes me and leans me toward the one that can do everything, build everything, work everything. Wherever your life is, you may think that God's in the business of making you smart. God's not in the business of making you smart. God's in the business of making you dumb. And you leaning toward the one that can do it all, that can figure out it all. And the way the Lord, and, and that letter, the picture, is a man bending over. See, the humility, the humility of bending over, taking your head, is also the symbol of authority. That's where authority comes. Authority don't come from what you do, honey. Authority comes from what he has done. And you take that head of authority and you lean it toward Jesus. And all of a sudden, you will begin to see breadcrumbs. Some of you have followed the breadcrumbs of the enemy. You've watched the enemy and the enemy will tell you a deception and lead you in a deception. And you spent your life following the breadcrumbs of the enemy. And you've come up high and dry. But there are breadcrumbs of the Lord that will lead you past that dilemma. They will lead you through that miracle. They will bring the life of God into your situation. So the two areas, always we call it red light, green light. I don't have a problem... Making a decision, I don't. Because I don't make the decisions. I, I, I render that to the Lord. If you want to live life under the direction of the Lord, I want to just invite you. It's a beautiful way. Follow after peace. Never follow anything that doesn't bring peace. Amen. And do it with wisdom. Do it with leaning your entire self over on the Lord. Though God's going to help us here today in our close. 
God's going to help us. If you're here today and you say, Jerry, you know, I need the wisdom of the Lord. I need God to help me to lean my whole life toward him. Or maybe you're here today and you haven't had peace. Maybe you're going through a situation. And listen, don't fight against peace. Always allow peace to lead you. If peace is there, God is there. Because he is the God of, he's the God of, he's the God of peace. He's the God of peace. So if peace is there, you can trust it. You don't have to understand it. Somebody says, how is that all going to work out? I have no idea. But I trust God. If I will follow the breadcrumbs of the Lord in my life, following after peace, that it will all work out for the glory of God. Amen. Now, some of you have had distractions going on in your life. The enemy has launched things against you. And I'm going to tell you, there are some here today for you to get back on course. You may need prayer. The Lord sends people into our lives to help us and to pray for us. I want our prayer leaders to come on forward at this time, if you would. And we're going to close, Stephen's fixing to close us in a song. And as we sing this song, this is our dismissal song. This is our dismissal prayer. But as we do, if you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I need prayer to get my life back on course. I, I need some help. I can't find the peace of God. I'm needing the Lord to break through this thing. I need the peace of God. I need to know that this breadcrumb of peace is going to carry me to the next breakthrough in my life. And if you're here today, if you, I want you, instead of going out that way, you come this way. Don't leave here until you receive the help that God has sent for you into your life. Now, God has sent these. These are all pastors and leaders that's gathered before you here. And God has sent them in preparation to pray about your need. They will not pry into your life. You won't have to expose a thing. If you need, if you need the peace of God in your situation, then you come forward. I'm just going to go ahead and ask you right now. Do you need the peace of the Lord? Some of you here struggling for that peace. I want to invite you to come on. Come on right now. Just stand up if you would. If you need the peace of God, come on. Come on. Just if you need the peace of the Lord, you come on. Come on. If you need God to, to be able to lead and guide you through that level of peace, don't, don't try to fight this by yourself. Let people pray for you. Let people help you to, to struggle and, and to find that way. Lord bless you. I tell you, it's been a delight to talk to you. It's been a delight to talk about hearing the voice of God. It's been a delight to share with you. Thank you today for taking your Sunday and spending it here with us. It's been a, such a joy to be with you. Stephen, praise God. I don't want anything but you. You're more than every dream come true. All of the things I 